Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the events, policies and ideas that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard and I'm joining you this time for a special podcast live from the Munich Security Conference in Munich. (laughs) And I am very happy to have an all-star cast to help us make sense of the big geopolitical discussions that have been going on for the last few days here in the Bayerische Hof. First up, we have Sylvie Goffman, who is the editorial director of Le Monde, but also a board member and longtime council member of ECFR. And also uh, joining me here in the Bayerische Hof is Jana Pulierin, who is the head of the ECFR's office in Berlin and a senior policy fellow at ECFR. So, We've both, uh, all three of us, been um, sitting around in the in the big hall and going around lots of meetings, doing bilaterals and trying to understand how the West is uh, thinking about the world that we're in at the moment. When we did this podcast the last few years, there were lots of different topics to go through. But I, I think this year there's only one big topic which is obsessing everyone, and that is the question about Ukraine. Well, we've learned from the... German foreign minister, it's not a Ukraine crisis, it's a Russia crisis. Um, but other things were going on as well. CV, what, what were your main takeaways uh, after the first couple of days of, of the Munich Security Conference? Uh, well, first about the conference itself. You remember that two years ago, the theme was Westlessness, right? Um, and this year, strangely enough, it was Unlearning Helplessness. So uh, being Westless, we had become helpless. helpless. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing. I, 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 I was told that it's, uh, it comes from a, a psychological experience which was made with dogs in the 1960s by an American psychologist called Martin Seligman. I think you can uh, uh, check about this. Talk but to this, Google, will be able to help. <laughs> right. And, um, <laughs> And the theory is that um, if you are put in a, you know, for instance, dogs, you give electroshocks to dogs, um, the next time they're in danger, they are uh, not going to react. Once you've been found yourself helpless, you are going to be more and more helpless. And dogs who, which have not been submitted to ele- uh, electroshocks, they are, they are more uh, defensive. They still have their defenses. So... What's the relation with the West? Um, you know, this this is uh, 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 we are supposed we were supposed in this conference to unlearn this helplessness because we were helpless. So, are we? Uh, but Sylvie, yeah. it was not exactly that we were helpless. I think what Ishinga said in his introductory mm-hmm. remarks was more that Ambassador we Ishinga, were, the outgoing chairman of the Munich Security Conference, exactly that we were risking. Um, a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically. Right. That yeah. Because our constant criticism of us being unable to deal with all the crises around us and our kind of, yeah, being mortified about ourselves all the yeah. time, that we think that we are helpless, whereas in practice we are not. And I think this Munich Security Conference is super interesting because being uh, having been westless two years ago, yeah. I think now we see the revival of exactly. transatlantic unity. Yeah. Yeah. So this is yeah. the opposite to helplessness. Yeah. But then again, 
when you look at what we and when when we were uh, listening to Zelensky today, when he made kind of his plea to us to the West, kind of please come and come to our rescue, and you had this crowd kind of giving standing ovations to Zelensky at at one hand, but at the other kind of being quite helpless after all. <laughs> And so we have transatlantic unity and helplessness, real helplessness at the same time. So we're going to go into some of the big speeches that we had. And Zelensky was definitely one of the box office uh, numbers. The fact that he came here at all was pretty remarkable. But also his language was was striking after his reassuring tone over the last few weeks. But um, maybe just to go, to go a bit deeper on this kind of helplessness and westlessness, One of the really striking things to me, particularly outside of the, the conference hall, but, you know, at dinners where we had like senior congressional people and ministers from different European countries is in a way, um, you know, for all the talk of new topics and things like that, there is a kind of sense of the Munich Security Conference being back in its comfort zone, talking about the Russian enemy And having a sense of transatlantic unity is almost a kind of nostalgic quality to, to this, that the West is back. And yet it feels a little bit fragile and maybe empty, this return of the West. And I've sort of been trying to think my way through the, the tension between those things. How, how do you see it emerging? Yeah, the, you mean there is a kind of nostalgia for Cold War, maybe? Or <laughs> Both for the Cold War, but also, you know, a couple of years ago, um, you had lots of Americans coming here and Biden, in fact, said that America's back and no one really believed him because actually America uh -huh. was kind of desperate uh -huh. to, to go to the Indo-Pacific. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and they have been pretty desperate, but in spite of themselves, it's like the Godfather, you know, every time they think they've got out of Europe, mm -hmm. they get dragged back in. And I think some Europeans are quite happy that Putin is... is is kind of bringing American attention back. And yes. the language of, of some of the political people is very much about, you know, this plucky Western democracy that needs to be defended and yeah. how we need to crush Putin together and things like that. There's one consequence that we, we can see already. It's, it's NATO. It's, uh, you know, remember two years ago, NATO was supposed to be brain dead. Yeah. And NATO has been resurrected by this crisis. Stolten, Jens Stoltenberg, who is on his way out, but, you Run know, was <laughs> in Norway, <laughs> but, you know, he was feted today and uh, what a wonderful job he's done. Uh, so you can say it's thanks to Putin also. But there's this sense that, yes, uh, NATO is back, not only America is back, but NATO is back and NATO is focused Um, on its uh, core activity again, we're not which going is to Afghanistan anymore. Exactly, we're, we're not. You know, NATO places. is. It's not talking about. We're not talking about NATO in China or in Afghanistan or wherever. NATO it's is not back. out of area and it's not out of business. Right. It's a collect, uh, collective defense of Europe. This is what it's about. So in this way, that's something you can see already. I, I, another thing I felt in this um, in this conference is also. Uh, As, about Ukraine, it's a, a, another, a, a new gravity, I think. You know, we have been dealing with this for weeks now, and, you know, in, the invasion was supposed to happen last week and the week before last and so on. But now we see that it's getting really serious. Mm -hmm. I think we have all these signs in the last 48 hours, you know, the shelling of Donbass, uh, the buildup continuing. We are not, we're now talking about 190,000 troops, which is really 
you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about 100,000. So it's, you know, so I think now even France and Germany, which were yes. uh, less dramatic, uh, uh, which had less dramatization than the US or the UK. Now, uh, well, they have been evacuated, you know, asking their citizens to leave Ukraine if they could uh, today. So that's that's a sign. And I think we, we see this kind of um, uh, heavier gravi- sense of gravity, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, so, but I think it's a stark contrast to to two years ago when you can compare also uh, kind of the American delegation here this time. I mean, there is a strong uh, bipartisan delegation led by Kamala Harris. I listened to her speech today. It was kind of uh, a transatlantic love feast. Actually, mm-hmm. there was no mentioning of AUKUS and Afghanistan. It seems that this had never happened, even though I think there were real reasons why these. Things happen. But that being said, they're not big specialists at coming to Munich and delivering tough messages, apart from Trump, obviously, did that a few times. But when Biden comes here, it's always America's bank. Yeah, but Biden was not in charge for quite a number of years. And I think um, the Munich Security Conference two years ago, but even three years ago, was a kind of pretty bleak experience when it came to transatlantic uh, relations. And I think now, kind of the, the kind of the bleak experience is more uh, what happens uh, at the border uh, mm-hmm. with Ukraine, but not. But I have heard American um, yeah, senators saying that kind of there is more transatlantic unity than yeah. they have seen uh, for a long, long time. Like uh, talking basically pre-Trump uh, Obama yeah. times. And do you think that because? It's obviously true. That's the vibe this time. The show of unity. The yeah. show of unity mm-hmm. is part of the strategy for, to mm-hmm. deter yeah. Putin. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a structural change going on in the world. Biden has made it clear that he's not even going to defend American citizens who are, who are, need to be evacuated from Ukraine, let alone actually defending Ukraine. Um, his historical mission is about ending these kind of legacy... Um, commitments and shifting attention, preparing America for the great competition in the Indo-Pacific in the future. And within Europe, you know, there is unity, as we've sort of discussed in previous podcasts, we've looked at our opinion poll, there's quite a lot more unity mm-hmm. than many people thought there would be at yeah, Europeans. including yes. the Germans. So you do have this thing, but I wonder whether this is a kind of momentary unity, which conceals quite a lot of nuance and difference, yeah. which might already be gone in like a week or two's time, some of that. Yeah, well, for instance, on the sanctions, that's very telling because on the sanctions, there's this argument, we are not going to go into details about the sanctions. We don't know really exactly what they are because, you know, we want to keep them as you want to keep, we don't want to tell all um, about them to to Russia and if if we want them to be effective. But this is quite convenient also because that prevents... Uh, Europeans who we know um, have different sensitivities on some of those sanctions, you know, the SWIFT uh, uh, system or Nord Stream 2. I think Nord Stream 2 is probably more clear now. I don't know what you, what Jana, you think. No, but, I think, uh, yeah, I think yeah. we have seen an evolution in right. the, yeah. kind of the German government under, pre- under strong pressure, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, it's possible that when... 
Um, so when, if, if the time comes to, to decide on those sanctions, so there will be a European Council um, summoned in, in a matter of hours, I, I, I understand. Um, that's what uh, Ursula von der Leyen said today. Uh, you know, will we see those differences coming up at that stage or will would the urgency push everybody together? This this is something we, we still have to but wait. For me, yeah. kind of the real problem is that we are kind of now seeing once again the Americans, I mean, more or less coming to our rescue. I mean, not exactly to the Ukrainian uh, rescue, but to kind of the NATO's defense. <laughs> but I, th I think we still need to... <laughs> Um, step up ourselves um, and not take the American support for granted. And I think it's really tempting to take this situation and, yeah, they are back and they will never leave Europe. They have these strong interests. And even if they want it, they, they, they are kind of doomed to, to stay with us and to defend us. And so I, I think that's a very dangerous path because um, this is not at all, um, can, we should not at all take that for granted. And we should not take a sleeping pill now, but uh, try to organize uh, ourselves and be able to organize our own defense much better than we used to. Use the, use the Biden window to get ourselves into a sovereign state before Trump comes back. <laughs> but um, maybe we should sort of, we've been talking about a lot of the speeches and other things that we've heard kind of obliquely, but maybe we should spend a bit of time going through some of these things systematically. And we all know that you can't, talk about Ukraine without Ukrainians. So maybe we should start with Zelensky, which was quite a dramatic moment today when he sort of flew in. And I think he kept everyone guessing because the news was getting worse and worse about the Ukrainian situation. So a lot of people were, were kind of quite surprised that he, he took the trouble to come here with a delegation. He got a standing ovation when he arrived. And left. And then and left. And then left. left. Yes, yeah. Which is good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to do it on both, on both sides. It would have been worse the other way around, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, but um, to, I don't know who wants to I talk a bit about what true, he said. He was true to his character, you know, his kind of... Uh, Defiant, very much an actor, also you know a comedian, uh, and um, I mean I was not surprised that by the fact that he he flew in because that's what he's been saying since the beginning. He said, "Don't panic. There's no cause for panicking. We are resilient. We have uh, seen this for the past eight years. So we, uh, you know, and as he said when he left." Uh, uh, I had breakfast this morning in yes, Ukraine, and I'll have dinner this this evening in Ukraine. Yeah. I never live for long, so yeah. that's you know that's uh, quite uh, his his character. On on what he said, um, uh, he wanted that, a clear NATO perspective. I mean, there yeah, was no yeah. kind of questioning on Ukraine. Finlandization was not a topic. No, at yeah, all. <laughs> but that, I wonder whether there's something in the works there, uh, which also um, maybe uh, Scholz, Olaf Scholz, uh, alluded to in his speech, which is okay. We know that NATO membership is not for tomorrow for 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 Ukraine, but they must have security guarantees. So what will their security, those security guarantees be? Uh, we'll have to see. But and 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 Zelensky mentioned this also. So, we, so you think this mm -hmm. could be a, a kind of Budapest memorandum plus? <laughs> well, I think this is something we shouldn't uh, uh, refer to too much. Uh, Budapest memorandum is fairly discredited by now, so uh, uh, not a good reference. But you know, maybe um, some something of this kind. It, you know. It, 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 except if Putin 
does uh, decide but, on something. But he, it was interesting. You were saying that the, um, you know, he he was saying don't panic, and the fact that he came was showing he's not panicking. At the same time, the language mm -hmm. was pretty yeah. different yeah. from his yeah. don't panic things before. He was talking a lot about appeasement and about people soldier, talking to yeah, that parents is, of yeah, soldiers who were dying yeah, yeah, and yeah, having to fight even without yeah. without you. And he was it was pretty fighting talk, and he yeah. was calling for preemptive sanctions and he was calling for yeah the um, ukrainians all always have said i mean since the beginning of this crisis have always said but why do you have to wait for the sanctions why yeah. do you have to wait if you if you want to um um help somebody who is in who who is uh, threatened uh, you're not uh, waiting for that person to be killed before yeah. taking the gun away right so they don't understand but of course this is but it's, it's it particularly, yeah. like if you're Germany, the mm -hmm. sanctions are your gun. So if you shoot the gun before the crime is committed, <laughs> what do you do after that? There's yeah. no escalation yeah. potential. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. obviously, if you think that the sanctions are the first step towards some sort of kinetic involvement, then, then you would use the sanctions maybe preemptively. But I think the sanctions is going to be the sum total of, of, of our response. But, you know, maybe we'll give them some anti-tank equipment and things like that. But it's not going to go much further yeah, than sanctions. More than is helmets, it? right? Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's also... There's <laughs> Annalena Baerbock said that uh, she would look into that matter and uh, kind of would check what... Really have more than more helmets, helmets, yes. <laughs> but what was Didn't interesting... Didn't win her much credit, I think. <laughs> also with uh, Zelensky's speech is... You know, he, he could have said, look, we are very grateful for your support, which I think Ukrainians are. And he did um, say that. And he did say that. But he was also He said, but um, I don't, don't regard it as donations. This mm -hmm. is an investment in your own security. We're here on the front line defending European security. Right. Yeah. yeah, we are the, the <laughs> bouclier de l'Europe. With a shield. The shield of Europe, yeah. right. But there's also this sense that, okay, and, and you can... You can wonder we all these leaders western leaders are saying uh, we cannot let this happen a, a country invading another one but what happened in 2014 yeah and uh, in 2008 and in 2008 you know yeah. so we are paying for this now and and everybody's behaving like and some people never in russia also before. talk about kosovo as well which i know mm. we can't cite as a precedent but we did actually mm. change the borders um, and i think here the helplessness kicks in kind of the theme of the kind of the, we are not unlearning helplessness uh, in in this regard we are sitting here kind of listening to Zelensky, but West will, yeah, impose sanctions and yeah. all that, but mm -hmm. that we won't send yeah. our own troops. Yeah. So maybe we should talk about what some of the other countries said. So we had Zelensky. That was kind of interesting. There are loads of German speakers. Everyone's been talking about Germany outside of Germany as the, the problem. We have these two problems, Putin and Germany. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very unfair. I think the German communications machine is not I think after this conference, we don't attentive. have a German problem any longer. And why is no. that? Why don't yeah, you talk about Because we had Olaf Scholz, the chancellor. We had Annalena Baerbock, the foreign minister. We had the defense minister. Even though the defense Christina minister, in, in her 30-minute interaction and her kind of uh, interview she gave, she managed not to mention Russia once in 30 really? minutes. Yeah. I mean, which... But, but, but the others other, made the up others, for it, didn't no, they? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the others, not helpless. No, the <laughs> others were very encouraging, I think. I, so what did they say? What did you get from your chancellor, Olaf Scholz? So I, I saw my chancellor being quite clear and, and outspoken and kind of not... Uh, kind of no wishy-washy language... Um, and he, I mean, he 
he said that, again, he re-emphasized that NATO membership for Ukraine was not um, at the table prior to uh, the Russian troop buildup. And he was wondering again publicly why this was such uh, an issue for, for Putin. So, um, but... But he, I think, delivered a strong commitment to, first of all, the transatlantic alliance, NATO. He talked about German responsibility, which uh, is a so nice thing. So no Germans on their Exactly. And, and he also said that, um, I mean, that I like to hear that, that we need planes that uh, fly and ships that sail, and that it was our responsibility vis-a-vis -vis our allies, um, our obligation to live up to kind of the expectations on us as the richest and, and biggest country in Europe. And... And on Russia, I think he was, he didn't mince words. He was quite um, clear um, on 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 the threat. He um, kind of it, there was one clear aggressor. Um, so yeah, and Annalena Baerbock um, as well. She started by saying that this is not a Ukraine crisis; it's a Russia crisis. What else did she say? Anything that caught your attention? Um, well, she was also quite clear on on Russia. There's one. Uh, subject where I find them less convincing and maybe they have to work more on their narrative. It's about the um, the question of arms um, deliveries. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because uh, other problems have also uh, other countries. I'm sorry, also have problems uh, in, in Europe with the, with the delivering arms to to Ukraine. Um, so of course, there's this historical. You know, this his, the, the the main reason as. Annalena Baerbock explained yesterday um, has to do with German history, but the way she she explains it is not totally convincing. I think there's there's some some more work to you. do. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with mm -hmm. you because uh, you could take the kind of narrative of German history, turn it around, and and use exactly. it exactly to yeah, defend you, your decision. You, you know, the number of victims of World yeah. War II in Ukraine was yeah, <laughs> fairly think, high too. I think so yeah, that kind of symbolizes um, quite well um, where Germany still stands on all things uh, military. So mm -hmm. I think we have come a long way. Um, and there was this decision to send more soldiers to Lithuania, um, kind of to, to enhance um, NATO's uh, deterrence uh, at its eastern flank. But still, I think um, this government is quite reluctant when it comes to the use of military means. And it's not seen as helpful, um, helpful contribution in this in this uh, crisis. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, the German howitzers, and it's it's true actually that they wouldn't make a difference on the ground. It's purely symbolic, um, and and you hear that actually very often in Germany. That why does everybody make such a fuss <laughs> about yeah. them? Because and why do you think they do? Because it's there seems to be a, a desire everywhere else to make Germany into a problem. I think maybe it's I, I think domestic politics maybe. I, in the UK, it's, there's never any votes lost from from, uh, from attacking. No, but on the, on the military side, because I think more Europeans expect more military engagement from Germany, and we are just yeah. not there. Yeah. yeah. But it's but it, if it is a symbolic, and I totally agree. No, the, I think the Hobbitsers, I think allies expect more than symbolic gestures. But this is kind of it captures in a nutshell what's kind of the problem with Germany that we are not even able to do this. Okay. <laughs> Should we talk a bit about? So we talked about a bit about the U.S. Maybe we've said everything we need to. You Maybe you talk about a bit the, about China. You listen to the Chinese. Well, Chinese Foreign Minister did tell us uh, that China remains committed to the sovereignty and territorial integrity of countries in line with the United Nations Charter, and we also learned 
which was a, 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 an important lesson for many people, that all of this talk about human rights abuses, forced labor, genocide in Xinjiang has been invented by the, yes, by the a, Western that's media. A, that's a discovery, yeah, <laughs> this kind of But Mark, a lot of people yeah. talk about the alliance between China and Russia. Anything on this? He didn't really talk very much about Russia. Actually, it was quite a. It was it was a short speech. It was not. What did you think? Sidney? Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was not a long speech, and the content was not extremely dense. But uh, uh, he was he, he he was asked about Ukraine. Uh, he said no. We 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 again. He repeated that the um, the, the China. Pro, uh, rec- um, pays attention to territorial, respects territorial integrity and so on. Uh, So it it was not aligned with the, you know, it it was not aligned with the Russia position. Uh, So he was fairly cautious, I thought. It was very much Mm. not aligned with it. But at the same time, I think it's difficult to see much opportunity for us to act as as a a kind of wedge between the two of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. He didn't criticize the Russian position at all. No, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And then, then, and then there was the British Prime Minister. Boris Johnson, yeah. Yes. Do you want to talk a bit about him? <laughs> I thought he would have something to say about it. You he was Brit- fairly fiery, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah, it was interesting. So mm-hmm. they just apparently phoned up at the last minute and asked for this platform for him, and he came along, and um, he was uh, yeah, very serious. Nobody asked him, no talk about Peppa Pig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which was, uh, or, or bring your own booze. Or yeah. bring your own yeah. booze. Yeah, but no, Liz Truss had a, had a funny line uh, later because um, Wolfgang Ischinger said he was surprised. You know, he got this call a couple of days ago from, from 10 Downing Street or Boris Johnson there saying, I, I would like to come. And so he was surprised. And Liz Truss said... Oh, maybe you were surprised, but I was not surprised at all. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, there is a strong British commitment to European security. There was also, he mentioned um, China, kind of he mentioned Lithuania and China, and that kind of we needed to stand with Lithuania. The the language on solidarity was was actually quite advanced. He said, you stood with us when we had problems uh, with Salisbury, Salisbury. and now we stand with you. So that was was new. British people then who are familiar with the British news cycle might see um, that there were domestic uh, drivers for his newfound interest in Eastern European security. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, no. But he was he was fairly uh, uh, positive about the links with the with Europe and the yeah. European Union, and saying again. Uh, we left the EU, but we didn't leave Europe. Yeah. Or was it Listros, maybe, who said that? Well, uh, that's, a, anyway. that's a famous yeah. Boris line. So right, so he said it again. Question. And um, there's also um, this EU-NATO relationship. Yeah, we had a is, lot of, uh, yeah. we had a lot of uh, loving with them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, but I think yeah. it was actually, I mean, I have never given up on the EU-NATO relationship, uh, hoping against better experience. But when kind of uh, von der Leyen today... Uh, von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission... Gave a kind of uh, the, the speech to 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 praise basically Stoltenberg uh, and 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 kind yeah. of when when he got this award, 
that was heartwarming for kind of a security person <laughs> yeah. like myself. Yeah. And and von der Leyen, I think, was actually pretty strong today. I was I, I, I saw her yeah. more as the kind of old German, uh, former German defense minister, and not kind of. Yeah. I mean, she was pretty hawkish. Yeah, her, and, her, and her speech was pretty yeah. strong. Uh, I saw a Polish commentator saying it could have been written by Poland, which <laughs> <So. laughs> is a compliment, and, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I maybe not in all quarters of Europe, but. <laughs> and what about the rayonnement de la France? We haven't spoken about the country no, with the so, European presidency um, yet. So Macron didn't show up this yeah. time. Um, he's busy calling uh, everybody, and uh, you know, uh, and he is uh, supposed to have a call with uh, Vladimir Putin again uh, tomorrow on Sunday. Um, and so Le Drian, Jean-Yves Le Foreign Minister, was here and made a short speech on, uh, on Indo-Pacific of all uh, uh, subjects. And uh, but tomorrow we have Florence, uh, uh, Florence Parly, uh, Parly. Um, Sorry, Florence. Defense Minister, with um, Christian uh, your Lambert, your Defense Christine Minister, Lambrecht. Christine Lambrecht. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and, uh, maybe just, she mentions Russia then. Uh, maybe she, I think she'll ha I think she'll have to mention Russia tomorrow and Joseph Boyle also. So um, that will be maybe a more of a French moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, that's quite a good roundup of a lot of the speeches. Any last thoughts about what you think people will take away from from this music? I suppose what we'll remember is if there is a war that starts now, that will be will make everything. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of, there were several um, state, dramatic statements about the impact on the world, in fact. And that's, I think, is newer. Uh, we, we were not in that dimension two weeks ago. Yeah. And I, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we, if Russia attacks, um, uh, will be in a totally different um, uh, geopolitical reality. Uh, uh, Boris Johnson said the, the world, it will be a shock to the world. Uh, you know, this kind of statement. Uh, and what do, you think it, what do you think it would, I mean, how does it change the world? I mean, obviously, it's be a human tragedy. It will... Yeah, but but imagine, I mean, you, the Russian army kind of going into Ukraine, mm. going all in, kind of thousands, ten thousands, maybe hundred thousands of deaths. So t talk a bit about how, I mean, how this changes. So how does the world I mean, that, that would be a total shock of, uh, I mean, yeah. we haven't seen this in Europe for a long time, mm -hmm. kind of uh, the kind of to use military power to change borders. I mean, we have seen this in 2014, but this was false flag. Well, we I mean, had they the story a lot in the 90s. In the in 90s, the, in yeah. Yugoslavia. But I thought that kind of in Germ in, 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 in Europe, there is this sentiment that we have overcome this. And, and so... But I, Bosnia but, and Croatia are a lot closer to yes, most Europeans but you, but than Ukraine is. Yes. And we lived with genocide, with all sorts of... I, I agree with you. I've heard uh, we haven't... That would be the first time yeah, since World War War that we have a war true, yeah. in Europe, and I'm surprised. Yeah, people have short memories. Yeah, that's but, true. But this is, you know, the dismantling of a, of a of a country, <laughs> you know, of a country, well, it, of a federal was, country. Yeah. But which was trapped in a bigger empire. I mean, it was a kind of post-imperial no, no, moment. Of course, and and there was these ethnic uh, yeah. issues, which is not the case. 
between Ukraine and, and Russia. It's the same. If and you I want think you to go, you know, they're supposed to be Slavic, <laughs> Slavic, Slavic <laughs> brothers. No, no, but it's true. I mean, it's uh, it's very different. And of course, they were part of the same empire, but th that empire died 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah? And, and Russia yeah. entering in Ukraine with kind of 190,000 soldiers and maybe even more would, I think, change kind of the dynamics within NATO completely, especially because Belarus uh, is into the game as well. There are kind of Russian soldiers right. stationed. He did not withdraw the, yeah. the troops. There is this scenario that Russia might station uh, nuclear, nuclear weapons, weapons uh, in, in Belarus, Belarus yeah. uh, at the border yeah. with Lithuania and Poland. And I think that would really change the it's dynamics. It's a new Cold within. War. I mean, a real Cold yeah, War. Yeah, that's but, but, a different dimension. But, but I think from, that would yeah, be the yeah, end I of agree. the NATO-Russia founding yeah, act. Yeah. Uh, that would be kind of a full confrontation yeah. with Russia. Um, and yeah. Yeah, no, trying to con con back to kind of containment and, and, and kind of preparing for the worst, actually. Yeah. No, it would be very dramatic. It would be the end of the post-Cold War world. I think the post-Cold War world is over anyway. Gone, yeah. But the question yeah. is that this could be a new settled. Well, I think we have to have another podcast to discuss that. We got one thing left to do on this podcast, which is our bookshelf segment. I think we just we all recommend the um, Munich Security Conference report, <laughs> Unlearning Helplessness here, Absolutely, right? I agree, yeah. Okay, <laughs> and we will also be posting various commentaries on the Munich Security Conference on our website, which is www.ecfr.eu. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please feel free to let other people know about it by writing on your social media page or ours, but above all, by subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a positive review. And if you want to give us a five-star rating, That's also not something that we will complain about. But for now, from Sylvie Kaufman, Jana Pulierin, and myself, Mark Leonard, it's goodbye. Bye-bye. The editor of ECFR's podcast is Marlene Riedel, and our researcher this week was Lucy Halpenthal. Mm -hmm.